Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art and Labor. Um, you know, as always, support us on Patreon if you like our work. We are a podcast dedicated to art workers and, you know, the, the good old struggle to survive and theory and whatever the fuck we do. Um, I'm OK Fox. Uh, we got a full house. We got Lucia Love. We got Darcy Wilder. We got Sarah Crow and a uh, special guest today. Um, oh, my God, Maxwell, I didn't ask how to pronounce your last name. It's uh, it's however, it's uh, Maxwell Paparella is how Paparella, I say it. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> By extraction. <laughs> We're with Maxwell Paparella. Um, Maxwell just wrote um, a great, what is it called? Like dossier, dossier in um, art papers. Um, art is labor. Um, welcome, Maxwell, to Art and Labor. Thank you so much. Good to be here. First time, long time for me. Oh, that's so nice. Wow. Yeah, I used to listen to you guys. Uh, I was a dog walker not too long ago. Oh, nice. And so would fill my days with uh, the voices and <laughs> yours, yours among them, of course. Oh, it's wow, like podcasts are definitely an important part of the ecosystem when you have... <laughs> Jobs that don't need a brain. Um, it's always, exactly. yeah, it's surprising to me that so many people have been um, mentioning that art and labor is part of their listening repertoire, though. It's yeah, like, it, it, it always surprises me, too, frankly. We feel yeah, so small. I know. <laughs> yeah, especially when it was just the two of us. <laughs> I would listen. <laughs> Jeez. And then we brought in two listeners to just yeah. be hosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All our guests are listeners too. The listener to host pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just palling around. Yeah. Um, so, Maxwell, what got you um, initially interested in making this timeline? You, like, so part of the dossier is like this really large image of <laughs> like 2018 till now. Um, yes, this quite unwieldy uh, PNG. Um, <laughs> so I, I mean, of course I was following with interest. Um, I guess I should say I'm not a union member myself. I grew up in a union household um, and I have worked in a museum uh, in my first year out of school. And so I had some, you know, uh, thinking and feeling, I suppose, behind the uh, of, of just like what the what the status is really behind the scenes at some of our most favorite cultural institutions, and so I was really uh, encouraged to see this organizing going on, um, you know, when the new museum and BAM and these places started to pop off, and of course the year before with um, pretty visible contract negotiations at MoMA. And SF MoMA, uh, also at Vancouver Art Gallery, as I note in the piece. But I'm New York based. I was seeing, you know, it happened mostly in New York at first. Um, and every time I, you know, you would get these updates coming along the transom, and I wanted to maybe, I I I felt like this was like a moment or a movement or something, and I it's hard for me to like zoom out and see that without putting a bunch of things in the same, on the same page. Um, and I hadn't seen that yet. And it was, you know, about two years on from when uh, this, the, the wave had really begun in earnest. And so I decided to cobble something together, see if I could, uh, you know, spend the better part of last summer uh, hold up and, <laughs> and just like thinking about uh, museums and organizing. And it was, it was a pleasure really. Um, it was like fun work and, and kind of an interesting process I hadn't done. Uh, and I should say like, you know, there, of course, like this is uh, represents like a piece of research, but I really was drawing so heavily upon, um, you know, reporters who are covering it uh, on the scene and in real time, such as yourselves, but also, you know, such as folks at uh, Hyperallergic and, you know, all those all those places that have the, like the same name, artsy, artnet news, art news, <laughs> uh, these kind of places. Yeah, art, and also, art. of course, you know, 
the papers. Are we reporters or do we just uh, show up? And what's the difference? I want. I mean, yeah, it, uh, of course, we've had like Zachary Small on this show. Mm. Um, I think the white whale is Ben Davis. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. We've met multiple times, but um, still haven't gotten a podcast yet. But hopefully eventually because, you know, gigantic fan. But yeah, I was I was uh, I was so it was it was very flattering to see us uh, mentioned <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you did an episode, right, where you were out front of the new museum in their first kind of real big demonstration, um, yeah. I think, as there was a gala going on inside, right, that they had that to kind cool. of, like, move upstairs because uh, everyone was making too much noise. And, yeah, it was it was very helpful for me to uh, hear that and kind of put myself on the scene a little bit. The um, craziest one actually was the, the MoMA one. Um, oh, yeah. where we yeah. actually saw Jeff Koons and <laughs> yelled at oh, him. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it was fun to be like, hey, uh, I worked for you. Um, and I have a flyer that I think you should have. <laughs> we, were, we were being, yeah, it, like we were, we were being like a little um, jokey. We were being punks. Like, <laughs> like we were pretending they were like, oh, here's the hors d'oeuvres menu for the evening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the kind of thing I'll I'll plan for us. Yeah, I was like, okay, we got to go to this thing. Yeah, I almost didn't. I almost didn't go because I was like, oh, I'm really need to be at this opening for my former teacher because I think she's gonna give me a job. (laughs) 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 And then just chasing the the money. (laughs) Got to. (laughs) Well, I think that like kind of speaks to how, and you mentioned it in. in your article about the wave Maxwell about how like each kind of like each institution that started organizing then was able to give real on the ground help to the next one. But it's like the, the whole joke about the New York city art world and like really kind of the art world everywhere is that it's, it's so, so small, even in a city of like 8 million people. Um, And I, like you often have these intersecting interests as someone in that world. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's what makes the wave is uh, that these people all, um, you know, have like a sort of fellow feeling and one that kind of betrays the, the caricature of art workers in, in a way um, as, you know, hyper-competitive individualist, um, uh, you know, sort of solo agents who are looking out for number one. Um, but in fact, what we saw and what we continue to see, and, you know, at some point maybe we'll kind of like talk through the timeline a little bit and we can talk about things that are hap- that are not even included on the timeline because they're so recent. Um, but the wave continues, in other words. And uh, it's it's all because of these networks of solidarity and resource sharing and, you know, quite intentional um, kind of opening up of these bases of knowledge that were formed over the course of, you know, generations at MoMA, SF MoMA, other places with a longer history of um, organized labor, but then really quickly proliferated among, um, you know, some of these uh, some of these institutions that we're just organizing in the past couple of years. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's truly incredible to see. I think it's a real, um, you know, stark achievement of what, uh, labor has been able to accomplish perhaps more broadly, but like, you know, of course what cultural workers have been able to accomplish among our little slice of the universe, uh, in the, in, you know, the past five or 10 years or something, it just seemed like pretty substantial to me. Yeah, what what are what are a couple of the like pre-pandemic highlights that um like you, that you think were really not- notable? I, I know on the timeline there's like a, a big bunch in, in like November of what, what was it 2019 I think or um hmm. I could or, let's, or let's like we could talk about any and... any on the timeline that you think is yeah, like yeah. particularly interesting because like I I love I I definitely appreciate that like there was something that was really building and I think my brain 
like everyone else broke at the after the you know kind of disaster capitalism of the pandemic just kind of undercut so much of that um but that was we part can of talk the... about good things for a bit longer <laughs> sure sure <laughs> well just to say that i think that was part of the impetus for the piece as well is you know recognizing that so i had, I had planned to do the piece before covid19 uh hit new york but um it seemed a little bit maybe more uh, well at first i was like does this is this a thing anymore you know like every everything just seemed so uh nebulous for a couple months there but then i really wanted to kind of make sure that this didn't um recede too quickly into history this moment and i mean i don't think that was my you know burden to bear exactly like these these union like the unions themselves are are persevering of course um but yeah i thought it was like maybe interesting to see it encapsulated a bit um in this moment of like hyper activity and then like this really abrupt uh you know at least like major difficulty to organizing that that occurred um and yeah like straight up union busting like yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah we can we can get more into that i'll i'll uh, i'll try to hit you with some positives though first <laughs> um i mean it's so like i guess the way that the wave sort of um progressed was you know it kind of like began in new york i think most most people would say with new museum as i mentioned with bam with tenement museum with guggenheim um and then you start to see it really have pretty far-reaching effects across the country um where you know the new children's museum is organizing in san diego uh the fry art museum security guards there are organizing um and actually organizing a completely independent and unaffiliated union so that was like quite a bit of uh you know go get them attitude on their part where they weren't (laughs) even appealing to an established you know like uaw or um an established union to get off the ground and i mean yeah there's the timeline is kind of filled with these moments of like difficulty and then sometimes triumph, sometimes defeat. Um, Like, yeah, I mean, I'm having a hard time, I guess, like, uh, summoning the highlights to mind, but because it is so vast, but... um, I mean, just that they got off the ground at all is the highlight to me. Exactly, yeah. Just to get recognized by the NLRB, like, you know, the, you know, the different disputes, like, um to like one of like one on the timeline is um Nikki Columbus um yeah. her situation with PS1 like being denied maternity and then um the decolonized protests are also on the timeline um right so i wanted to add a little bit of i thought that you know this was part of the museum wave of uh, the museum union wave rather is like these so like Whitney's on the timeline despite not having um, their art handlers are unionized with the Teamsters, but the timeline focuses on the activities of non-unionized workers and just artists who were involved in, you know, ousting candors. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, decolonize this, like the decolonize this place protests, both there and at the shed uh, to oust another uh, wealth criminal. I'm losing his name, but it doesn't matter. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, that, that that some of this other activity. Are you thinking of Leon Black? No, or... it, that's MoMA, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Oh, MoMA, yeah. The Leon guy's Sanders. name is like Ross. I want to say Stephen Ross, maybe at the show, uh... or maybe, oh, maybe yeah. I might be getting confused. The Trump guy, um, exactly, uh, financier of Hudson exactly. Yards. Um, uh, yes, his name is. the other, the other <laughs> <Whatever>. one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like kind of this moment of accountability or something, at least, for the art world. Um, You know, I write in the piece, and I think that this is at least part of what was in the air, is that people were frustrated with their institutions 
which is, you know, seeing one thing on the walls and then seeing another thing in the office or in the workplace or in the, um, you know, investment strategy of these institutions uh, and on the board and, you know, everywhere else like that. It was that, you know, it's one thing to have these kind of political provocations hanging in your galleries and it's quite another to, at, you know, even attempt to uh, partake of those politics. Um, yeah, and I guess like yeah, when when the timeline hits, the like okay, closed twenty closed for COVID nineteen. You know, um, March twelfth uh, week. Uh, you know, your your piece you go into that it's like. Um, it's not necessarily all bad. Like you, you, you tie like workers establishing mutual aid networks. Um, you know, um, some unions were able to, you say, this is from directly quoted from the piece. Um, some unions were able to win formal protections for their members, including recall agreements and the extension of benefits. But in general, there has been a brutal anti-labor backlash under the guise of pandemic response. Um, but there's some, even there's some like high, like, highlights there and it's not all bad you would say i think the thing that's not all bad maybe is well okay so for one thing anything good that you hear about um you know oh the the you know they were giving workers health care through uh august or whatever or they you know there were pretty generous severance packages in some cases or something like this they're being you know like that's always reported as though it's out of the you know, beneficence of uh, the the management or something, but of course those are almost entirely union victories, and were just things that were like on right. the table from day one about like what how severance was going to be handled and and all the rest. Uh, they're very rarely credited to the people who fought for them. Um, and yeah, that's a great point, frankly. So like... yeah, I wanted to kind of you know. <laughs> help the union or, you know, just, just like plainly report that these were victories and not just a matter of circumstance or anyone's generosity. Um, I think the, the other major thing I would, you know, the sort of ray of hope or something that I see um, having happened since the pandemic started is that unions have continued organizing in cultural institutions, uh, like really against the odds, I think, because, of course, the formation of a union is so often coming out of these like, you know, like essentially like whispered conversations and like things that are happening like, you know, around the water cooler quite literally sometimes or like certainly in person, right? Like drinks after work, like coming out of a meeting and just like rolling your eyes at something like these are like the, these begin to like sort of accumulate into like discontent and then that like can become actualized into resistance um so in an environment yeah yeah sorry in some ways the pandemic did just incentivize people to um at like at least sort of organize maybe not necessarily unionize but like understand that there is power in like collectively being like we need ppe (laughs) like yeah (laughs) what else can you collectively ask for (laughs) and i mean it it seems like uh it really helps to have this conversation about accountability in the institution alongside of the unionization effort because there's no way for the institution to hide behind some sort of like uh like but yeah like you say like the beneficence of the management or something but it's also like people will say oh in art you have to do things for the love of it for the beauty of it or for like some philosophical value and we've joked about like living off of dreams in this (laughs) industry on the podcast a lot but um you know now it really seems like there's just such an obvious um target to push back against which is like um, you know, also, I thought it was interesting seeing in the piece, like, how much, um, like, there, like, there were little notes of, like, how much the board members are making, or, like, how much they're, like, how much uh, salary people have, as opposed to, like, hourly wage workers, and, like, you know, putting all of this out front really helps to be, like, yeah, I don't care if I'm a new employee, like, I want to be in a union, I don't want I don't want to go back to it. Even if you fired the old union members, like, yeah, I think there's going to be real staying power um, to, you know, a lot of the, 
even you know at new museum where they like really really union busted uh following the <laughs> pandemic um and removed you know both of the shop stewards and like the majority of the of the bargaining committee and things like this um even those people who are on their way out are are saying you know dana koppel among among others are saying like uh i feel so proud of this work this is something that is gonna like obviously outlast my time at this institution and good because um you know i'm done here but at least i've built something that can last uh and yes, these, hopefully... these experiences are creating lifelong organizers, frankly. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you really, you literally see people moving out of the cultural sphere and into labor organizing, uh, which is, yeah, perhaps um, a positive sign, I think. Or It's the least, name uh, of the game, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta rip it right out. I'm sure it's sort of a once bitten thing. I mean, once, once you've <laughs> built a union, once you've been in a union... Uh, I would imagine it's it's quite hard to be somewhere without one. I'm I'm jealous in a way, though. I, you know, I'm a, a lowly freelancer. I don't. But uh, well, I'm in the same boat. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we same. basically all are. I mean, it's just that's the thing with media work is like you can get a nice job for a little while, but there's like even with a union, there's not necessarily stability. There's still massive layoffs. There's, sure. You know, what if you could go to a job because it's an advancement for you where you get these new responsibilities that like help you feel like you're going to grow in some way and like actually adds to a sense of having a career mm-hmm. and like and you get taken care of. Wouldn't that be so cool? <laughs> <laughs> or that Remember there was jobs? just any yeah mobility within <laughs> a place once you're there instead of them just hiring art directors out of craigslist like no on temporary contracts yeah oh, not even they're just like hiring whoever's kid just graduated yeah that's true it's not craigslist yeah yeah <laughs> have, that's, why that's why where, like people the... can see <laughs> well sometimes they anymore. have to put uh Sometimes they have to to put listings up, and that's why they're like five years experience and da da da, because yeah. they're just tailoring <laughs> it to the person they already have lined up. But mm-hmm. like they really have to have an advertisement. Yeah, I mean, I I, I liked having a, a stable job, but I also um, uh, hated um, everything else about it, um, and uh, you know that experience yeah in itself was radicalizing enough for for me to want to do a podcast like this and um help collect these stories in a similar way and and try to make heads or tails of what you know what the book's going on so yeah i mean it definitely can attest to yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty great oh sorry oh i was just gonna say like i don't know i this conversation has been so interesting to keep up over the past few years because when we started the podcast, it seemed like sort of hard to connect things or it felt kind of like we were doing it from this place that was like hope. I was hoping at least that I was going to make more of a connection to something bigger than me and I was really feeling alienated. I'm like, at this point now, I was just... um. I don't know, I comb like other kind of more mainstream art podcasts to see what reaches the reaches that level. And um, there's like The Week in Art, which is sponsored by Christie's. And it's been really interesting to see them covering institutions lately because they're on this like huge accountability kick where like every week they're talking about something about like um, – trying to get BP out of, uh, you know, museum, uh, like, uh, sponsorship plaques and, Mm. you know, um, trying to get, like, uh, more, um, like, reframing of colonialist narratives in institutions because I think it's reached such a point where people can see the hypocrisy Mm -hmm. that it's just, like, even the money is saying that the money is bad. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very in line with like the larger like technocratic liberal trends. Like um, it feels very like 
Obama to me. It feels very like the arc bends towards justice and we're, you know, <laughs> we're But justice in this case is always just like we're having more shows with ceramicists. <laughs> <laughs> or we are like you like you say in the piece maxima like we have one piece of black right. made art classic or, um you sure, know i'm t- w- talking about how uh, a lot of museums responded to the killing of george floyd and brianna taylor and others mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at the beginning of last summer yeah um yeah yeah i mean i think that, that was sure. quite an interesting uh moment kind of illustrated how just how out of time i mean you know it's like the the entire way that like we derive like meaning and value from these institutions is like well they're there when we don't know where else to look and like they give sense to unspeakable tragedy and this and you know and like yes this is some of the things that art can do but like look how ham-fistedly it goes when you're like you know it's not it's not difficult to like be genuinely compassionate about tragedy right or like about like injustice and it's interesting to me that even amidst you know the the largest protest movement in this nation's history by some measures that these like quite comfortable liberal executives still felt like they needed to like pick around the edges of the issue and like not you know not really take a side and like uh it's just interesting how yeah just to see you know just to see how people perform under pressure i suppose um to use uh like a sort of a trite um saying but uh yeah a lot of that is also like you know can be organized through unionization and collective actions like and so tying those two together in the piece i think is is good because i think you it i think you really can't have one without the other at this point like you like need um you need a a labor aspect and you need a like social justice for lack of a better word aspect or um yeah the term social justice unionism is coming becoming more popular and i think is kind of something that I i was quite interested in this piece and I didn't want to editorialize too much. I wanted to like basically, you know, just do report r- reportage. But editorialize um, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say, <laughs> you know, I would say an interest from, of mine in in the piece, and you know, a, a kind of an interest that uh, I I look forward to seeing um, how this all unfolds is: can organized labor really become a little bit more ambitious about? taking the levers of power um can it like can the conversation and the demands transcend um you know workplace safety and wages and benefits and things like this and become uh you know like can these cultural institutions like can can they become actually like democratic in some way can they can workers be making um you know really far wide ranging decisions about programming or about access or about um uh yeah investment or you know any of these things how how far will that will um you know how far can can you push the issue i think and it's happening in an interesting moment it's happening in a moment where at least these you know as you're saying like the christie's podcast has to try to draw a line between the good money and the bad um And, you know, what good is your philanthropy if it's no longer laundering your reputation? If you're being, if it's actually like exposing you to criticism from uh, the, from, you know, cultural workers. Um, Because I don't think, you know, like, it's not like Candras, I'm sure, sits on other boards that weren't demanding his resignation quite so publicly, right? Yeah. but the Sackler, um, like the right. pain activists, have been pretty successful in, like, drumming up a lot of pushback against this, like, uh, horrible ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think yeah. it's yeah. It's kind of it's kind of good when you know people can attach a larger issue to these cultural. Uh, like institutional battles too it feels like that's been pretty successful in seeing like oh right 
the opiate crisis has affected so many of us. Like, and here is a point of attack. Even if I'm not an artist or even if I'm not working in a museum, I can still participate in this. It's not alienating like, oh, it's just for artists. Sure. Yeah. That was another interest of mine in the, or like, that's something I think that is maybe hovers around the piece somehow is like how much I didn't want to like succumb to like the false primacy of culture. And that I think that we can like, especially like as people who are interested in the arts and are working in the arts, it can like, I think there's a way um, in which, um, you know, this like a museum union is, um, just enough of a thing or like, you know, like kind of, um, yes, this is, this will be my engagement with, uh, organized labor is like thinking about this in the context of what I am interested in. Um, and so how do you, you know, like, what, I don't think that's what the unionists are like, you know, I think like it's, they're really beating the drum of solidarity at every opportunity and like making all, you know, like the security guards at the fryer on the picket lines with the nurses down the street and like, the you know UAW like UAW workers are like right there uh, at the gala with the new museum workers, um, but there is yeah there is this like kind of insularity of the arts and this um, this like tokenism and this like privilege that I think exec you know management really preys upon in making these workers feel as though they're lucky to be where they are. Um, you know, uh, the, the coercion of what someone was saying before of, uh, you know, this only works if we all do it together. And it's amazing that, you know, uh, like this is such a special work environment. Like no union could understand this. Um, Oh yeah. Like the Guggenheim. And I think the question now, and it's a question, Dana Koppel uh, or Koppel um, of the formerly Coppel. of, is it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, Koppel. Um, so it's a it's a question that Dana Koppel uh, puts forward in a recent piece for Texte zur Kunst um, of like how, you know, just how far does, does public pressure get you? And like, what does, you know, visibility make possible you know in one way it's all we know as culture workers right is like the 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 visible or like the the perceivable like the display of something and it's it certainly seemed to be um quite powerful in the union drives at a lot of these places you know unions were very intentionally scheduling things uh, to coincide with galas, to coincide with like, um, you know, members nights and things like this. And they really, um, you know, they knew that, that a museum relied on its good name in order to conduct business. Uh, And that that's what the, you know, that's what its board members want to see. Like everyone just wants the museum to like, kind of be a kind of quiet place where they can go like put a little bit of their money Mm. away and diversify the name on a room portfolio yeah yeah Yeah. and Uh, i think the oh no sorry you were continuing well just to say i think you know um that dana like wonders what's next like yeah just how how far that gets you um i thought it was a good piece of hers and um i don't know how i I missed this piece i'll definitely link it in the show notes we've been trying to have dana on again to um update us on on all her latest stuff so that would be good (laughs) um yeah please go ahead well i'll say too like the other thing to do is to tie it to to history um which you know um is something that we've we try to do on this show a little bit but like just like knowing that like groups of artists and art workers have been trying to figure out these questions forever um you know, I know Dana researches this a lot too. Um, and, and like, we should be like formulating like much bigger demands than I think we currently are even. Um, mm. I don't think it's like that out of the realm of possibility to just demand that there not be boards and that 
museums right. be worker completely worker owned and for the public and like you know just go just and go that's for like it. what's exciting about these these times in which like a lot of unions are forming is um because there are a lot of unions that are bureaucratic and shitty and don't really take care of their people and don't want Medicaid for Medicare for all because like they have worked so hard negotiating these shitty health benefits. Um, but mm. that, like, I think in the moment that's of, of right now uh, is that there is an extra level of awareness that, Oh, we're forming a union, but it has to be really democratic. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's cause it's like coming out of, of 2020 largely uh yeah i've been seeing this thing happen in like different circles in in the art world where uh because it's sort of like a lot of cloistered activity from people who are in in an international community that um you know, people are coming in and out and sort of, you know, obviously like artists, curators, more like mobile parts of the art world are like still confused by um, our like fervent interest in propagating unions. And like, um, that's one thing that has stuck out to me as like, um, something that we could do to message or to be like showing this awareness outward to sort of like to the international community. Cause you know, this is one of the industries that is able to get around most like, uh, like brick and mortar sort of located things where it's like, Oh shoot. Well, this place didn't work out. So I'm going to go somewhere else cause I am a billionaire. Or and I'm like, going to make oh, an oh. NFT. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's just so many ways like everything is very slippery and uh, obviously a lot of the accountability um, is going to follow wherever people go. But, um, you know, I've been having, I guess, trouble, sorry to ramble on about it, but I was like, you know, talking to artists from other places and being like, yeah, we talk about unions a lot because it's important because we're not getting the things we need here. And like, uh, you know, when we were on the uh, picket at the new museum, like I would see people that I went to like openings with, like I would go to galas and then I would see people who were going to the gala and I, and they're like, oh, are you going to go in? I'll see you inside. And they're like, no, no, I'm yeah. in the picket, dude. Like I'm, I, I'm yeah. protesting this one. <laughs> I'm sitting this one out. Like, can you can you get with that or like is that cool and they're like i don't know why you would do that but okay bye like and there's still that sort of disconnect though where they like they're like weird it's so noisy out here why would you want to stay i'm gonna go get a drink now (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know I don't know if it's even necessary. Maybe you don't need everybody to like understand why it's happening, but it is definitely something I've noticed like just in our in our experiences of like recording or t- having conversations. Yeah, and it's part of I think like the tricky balance of like um kind of the class position of artists and art workers. Um out it's like yeah, we kind of have to straddle both lines. Like I don't know, like me being like yeah, I, maybe I want to go to the picket, but also I need this job. So I got to like yeah. <laughs> go to the stupid opening. Um, like you're doing both things at the same time often just to try yeah. to survive. Um, and like, and that, I think like, I, don't, I, 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 I know we're going to revisit NFTs again in the future, um, but like it <laughs> is a sort of like um, weird weird gray area for a lot of people because they're like i just need a check and it but then it's like if if we're gonna we what what i think needs to happen is like there needs to be some like collectivized demands about like you know uh why this practice actually undermines solidarity a lot of the times and in particular like in um 
you know, in, in these like museums, like it, it, with the art handlers who have like started to unionize, like NFTs is like becoming a way for, um, for, for collectors or whatever to not have to pay for storage, not have to pay for movers, you know, um, if, if that's going to keep being a, a higher cost, if workers are going to keep demanding um, more, then perhaps we'll see these th these practices that like we need to um, address as um, we need to address collectively, basically. I would um, almost think, though, that like that, like, like, I do think that the NFTs are are very much a product of like the K shape recovery. Um, just expanding a little bit, getting a little bit more money before uh, we enter our, our real recession. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the one that like we knew was coming before the pandemic. Um, yeah, that's been artificially student loan bubble. That's my my prediction. Um, but yeah, that like I I have the feeling that these things would happen anyway in the same way that like mcdonald's was always going to make automated registers you know mm -hmm. um i mean i think like one thing i would ask you maxwell about like i know that a lot of institutions they were in this weird um situation where like some of their workers would have been unionized for years because they are maybe art handlers or they're building the exhibitions but then you had this whole other sector that was more like students, people who just got out of school, interns, that like they were completely unorganized in kind of the front of house. Um, and I want to hear you kind of talk about that a little too. <laughs> sure. Well, that was definitely the case at BAM maybe is a good example because mm -hmm. of course they operate, um, you know, a theater and uh, so their theatrical crew is unionized. And so the administrative and the cinema workers who recently unionized and who this timeline focuses on were familiar with that union. But, um, you know, with the theatrical, like there were also like a lot of misconceptions that arose from that as well. Like, uh, you know, just like the jokes about like who, you know, you can't turn that light, you can't like flip, flip that right. light switch because yeah. you're not union <laughs> or, you know, like these kind of things. And so I think the the unionist at BAM did a really good job of uh, just educating their members or their colleagues at that point um, about what this union would be like, what would be different. Um, I know also, I mean, yeah, it's quite interesting to see people working across disciplines because I think that they're quite, uh, stratified within these institutions often. And so they wouldn't have even spoken to a lot of their colleagues, except maybe like a nicety at the elevator or something until this all began, until the union drive began. And so certainly at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, um, where they had a recent like huge wall-to-wall -wall union where like everyone's in the same union, um, the you know management was trying to divide it into like Union One and Union Two and uh, a core and non-core staff. I think they were calling it, and that was struck down on um, that. That was struck down by the NLRB, and they they got their their one big union. Uh, and but there are weird things where it's like security guards for whatever reason can't be in the same union as as other kinds of workers. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know at the new museum, they had hoped to also have like a, a really wall-to-wall -wall union. Um, and, but then the security guards couldn't be in it. And, you know, they were getting also like maybe some pushback from certain people who just didn't want to uh, for whatever reason. And so it ended up being, um, you know, a bit of a smaller bargaining committee than they had it at first envisioned. But yeah, I mean, I think that's all like, the grist of it, you know, like that, those are like the things that you, uh, that you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis and that like is the work of the union, um, in part at least is, is just like doing that political education, having those difficult conversations with people who don't see the point or aren't interested in the risk, um, you know, doing inoculation, letting people know what, 
kind of poison is going to come in their ear by way of management, um, things like that. I was actually in, because I feel like I should say this because I'm like seeming to speak from some experience, but I'm not, I'm not in the union. As I said, I was at, while I was researching this piece, um, organizing with my neighbors to rent strike in our building in Crown Heights here. And I found myself drawing upon all of the same tactics. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. uh, like all the same organizing, um, kind of pr- practices, and yeah, my housemates thought I was a wizard. They were like, how did you know that the landlord would respond this way? Or like, yeah, <laughs> it's funny That's how true. well inoculation works. Like, really they teach each other. Here, they yeah. have entire courses that like they have books that they give each other and like to, to specifically union bust that we don't have on our end necessarily. Right, right. But that's why, you know, your dossier is helpful. You have this glossary right. of terms. You mm-hmm. have these things like you know, here's the the people covering it. Here's all this. Here's this timeline. Like, and then you mentioned some legislation stuff too that could protect people that maybe people don't necessarily know about. And there, of course, we we'd be remiss to not mention the Pro Act, um, which is currently being um, what's it called? There's phone banks to uh, you know call call. It's going through the Senate, I believe now. Um, it might get stuck by the filibuster, but mm. um, the, the, the PRO Act would basically make it a lot easier for people to be unionized and give people more protections for forming unions. And um, It was like it, the one thing Biden could actually say he would do and like would be able to do. But I think also specifically because uh, like he's, he's comfy with the the guys making half a million dollars a year who haven't actually worked in the industry for 30 years, you know, but of course. sorry, that was like, <laughs> unnecessary. like, no, you that's like that is like Biden's the extent of Biden's pro unionism. It's like pro union aristocracy. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at least maybe that will actually trickle down to something instead of like, yeah, you know, neoliberal shit, but. I don't know. You still got to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, you it's take the minimum wage increase, even though you should be owning the business. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but yeah, I, one of the legislations that you mentioned in the timeline, like, was one that, was it Biden that, like, if your business has a certain amount of employees, like, um, like, during the, during the pandemic, like, they can't get, uh, I forget. It's like they can't. They 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 have like a more union protections or something. Yeah, let me see if I can find that. It was um, a provision of the of one of the PPP loans, um, I think. And like, um, I didn't even hear about this at all. So it was like, oh, seeing that in the timeline was like, yeah, you learned but that, like, that happened all all over that. They would take these massive payouts. I think Disney, Disneyland did a good one where they they got just. And the real thing was that you weren't able to get those PPE loans unless you were already massive. So like right. where I was at, they get shit right, and they were for rent in Manhattan. Well, the thing that we are talking about, or the uh, the, the that you mentioned, okay, is um, that the CARES Act had allocated two hundred million to the arts industry with the stipulation that borrowers must quote remain neutral uh in any union organizing effort for the term of the loan that's if they employ between 500 and 10,000 workers so that wow. applied to some of the institutions on this list and not not others obviously yeah that's bananas i had no idea i'm like that's <laughs> totally new information to me and i follow this stuff you know the gall <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's like it's like something but it's like you know of course it's, it's democrat brain means tested to shit that like um doesn't cover everybody like I like the thing with the pro act that keeps coming up like going back to like the sort of like weird class position people in this industry and other industries too are not like unique in this at all um 
uh, find ourselves in is like, there's a lot of pushback um, from, you know, the small business angle of the pro act to be like, well, we rely on independent contractors, the blah, 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 blah. Like, and it's like basically just them saying like, yeah, we need these contracts that allow us to pay sub minimum wage or else our business can't function. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you should be organizing for, um, uh, you know, rent cancellation or something at that point. It's because it's right. this money cannot keep coming out of your workers. <laughs> I mean, it's also, if we're going to look at like post pandemic uh, realities of the institutions, there's tons of museums that are now kind of suffering because um, the time that they spent closed means loss of revenue and even though they have all of these like exorbitantly wealthy people on the boards they're not getting bailed out by the board they're just sort of like being controlled by them until it's like oh sorry we're literally going under because we couldn't afford to be closed this long and i guess now we're at the whims of like deaccession or um just having to close entirely or take on some sort of a new financial model. That means like, uh, you know, getting rid of uh, free tickets for people or, you know, who are used to be able to just go and see what was in the, in the institution. It's like, um, I don't know. It's crazy because, you know, on the one hand, it's like, we want to make sure that we have a place that, um, like we like that we could instate an ideal you know we want to we want to have it we want to have a museum that is like a library we want to have a museum that is like uh run by workers we want to have uh democratic shows we want to have um a history presented to us that's not been glossed over by white supremacy um but then it's like if all of these places close down or just turn into some other private uh collection and all these works get sold off into some other like climate controlled uh liminal <laughs> space like then we're also screwed so it's this hard like delicate balance you know yeah yeah i think that's right i mean yeah um it's you know of course like there's the contrast of seeing these huge at many of the institutions on the timeline, at least that have that are that are you know recently unionized, these huge endowments, um, and like then at the end of the timeline, like they're firing like seventy percent of their workforce or something, and you're like, but wait, I thought you had like ten million dollars, um, and like endowments, all these crazy restrictions. Yeah, I mean, it's I think one is just like the that we so well. Um, taken on like austerity and uh, as a political program and as like kind of like just economic good sense um since the 70s and that none of these museum directors or executives want to be the one who was at the wheel when something you know when they when when something went wrong and like the they don't want to be like you know the black mark on the 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 record of the institution slowly sinking or something um and but also just that so much you know unfortunately their endowments are all tied up in these uh in these invest you know it's just like yeah there's all these stipulations to the endowments not, yeah. yeah there's stipulations at the national level the state level and at the donor level um all this money is like earmarked for various things people want their name on different you know yeah on different uh, rooms different cards next to different <laughs> paintings um no one wants their name on like you know, like we helped everyone have a living wage this year. Uh, <laughs> why not? Reason, I don't know why. You could name the living wage after them. It doesn't. I no one would complain. <laughs> yeah, I specifically so that the BAM director can get a free house and then sell it for yes, millions of dollars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> why don't yeah? Why don't we popularize it? Like, um, oh, it's kind of like all of the workers are doing a performance art. And <laughs> like your name could go in the credits of the performance of being alive and healthy. 
What about that? <laughs> it's I'd coming, Lucia. <laughs> it's like, I honestly feel like that's kind of the trajectory. I feel like the trajectory is like they can't keep like willfully imperiling the the people like the lower level people that in the, in their institutions forever like it but then it'll it'll just become this it'll it'll feel like i'm i'm like imagining like a much more unionized america american past where like people were sort of taken care of by their employers a bit more but then it's just like um everywhere else on the planet it's like fuck this i don't care um like you know what or i mean or more like we're like fuck you guys we don't care as long as we get our little treats. Right. Like, go <sighs> just carpet bomb Laos. So it has to be combined. That's yeah. Going back, like, I guess just to put a, a bow on it, the, the tying the much larger demands um, and radical demands yeah. in with the um, workplace issues. Yeah. I'll be interested to see that start to happen more. I mean, I, I think, it's certainly on the mind of unionists. Um, at the new museum, they did win uh, in contract negotiations the right to make a uh, presentation to a subcommittee of the board every year, which is, you know, like sort of piddling when you say it like that. It's like the subcommittee of the board. We went through fact checking and I was like, they get they got the you know the right to make a presentation to the board. And I was like, that's subcommittee of the board. And like, okay. But um but even so, you know, it's <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But at least it's some indication of the intention to wield power. Um, and, uh, you know, like this is, this is the first contract that they won. You're not gonna, you're not gonna like you, you have to organize for power still. You have to like demonstrate that you can, you know, that you are the institution that you can shut it down. Uh, if you don't get what you want. And I think that we're at the very beginning, really, of seeing art workers take and and use that power. Uh, and I'll be certainly avidly interested in what they do with it. Well, um, the piece is great. Uh, everyone check it out. It's in Art Papers. Um, thanks so much for joining us on Art and Labor. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Maxwell. Pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got I guess that's it for us, unless anyone has any little Oh, I've got that. a plug. Let's go. Uh so uh, in constructing the reel, uh the online school for um the dead averse, uh the uh love this tagline. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> the next uh presentation that we're gonna have is one by okay fox that's right okay fox is gonna give a lecture (laughs) this wednesday everybody eight o'clock new york time if you want to get involved uh constructing the com. yeah wednesday the 17th of march yeah oh right yeah yeah yeah, that's right (laughs) there's not there's more than one wednesday (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Correct. I'll be talking about Guernica and um yeah, I, I I've got I, I wanna kind of rehash like I wanna represent like the the Akita Strail's thoughts about it. Um and then also talk about, you know, the um art the um guerrilla art action group um when they defaced it it um to be about the Vietnam War. And uh, how, yeah, how Tony Shafrazi, yeah. baby. <laughs> and how interesting a moment that is to like, maybe maybe a piece was revolutionary at one point, then got subsumed and just became sort of an art historical piece. And then maybe it became revolutionary again. I don't know. It's up for debate. That's what the point of the class is. It's very cool. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you'd want to plug, Max? Maxwell? Do you go by Max or Maxwell? Sorry. I go by Maxwell. It's okay. okay Thanks for asking. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I have, uh, I guess, no, not right now. I mean, I have things coming out, but <laughs> you check them out on my website if you need you to. You make your own work as well? Yeah, I write fiction and uh, poetry sometimes, and I, uh, 
I write about film for Screen Slate sometimes. Um, I'll have something coming out in um, on Pioneer Works uh, broadcast online magazine in nice. a month or so. Cool. Uh, so yeah, more to come. <laughs> slow, <laughs> slow trickle of um, production. Well, that's great. It was well, great meeting you. Nice. This to meet was you. this was a huge task that you created for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for reading it thanks for yeah i'm yeah. i'm so happy that it's out in the world and no longer just like in a series of google docs on <laughs> my computer and we'll, we'll be totally it's linked in the show notes everybody please check it out it's, there's multiple parts um there's it's it, please look at it on a computer it's much easier um <laughs> uh, try a different browser if your first one doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that i'm not such a i uh yeah not such a talented no, web developer <laughs> yes yeah, some programmer um work work with maxwell to to get it all um what what's it called like in in nice um html5 <laughs> format sure hey that'd be great if anyone is listening and wants yeah. to uh yeah, work on this. <laughs> Certainly get in touch. That would be great. All right. Well, bye, everyone. So long. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Bye. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun.